Hello, you are listening to Omnitalk's Retail Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Firework, Avalara, TGW, and Sezzle. Ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally, the Retail Fast Five is a podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week, too. Today is December 20th, 2023. I'm your host, Ann Mazenga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are here once again to discuss the most important headlines from the past week that highlight how the physical, digital, and human elements of retail are coming together to shape the future. Um, and Chris, I have to call out, speaking of the physical, digital, and human elements of retail, our listeners should check out your latest Forbes article that I can't believe you. it took you two years to write that because it seems like we've been having these conversations for a long time. But uh, tell us a little bit about that quick. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I put it out this morning. Uh, yeah, fun. I was already talking about the with the Forbes editing team about it, actually, which is it's always fun when when people um, when you have to edit your work, you know, after it's been produced. But hey, the it's the nature of the beast, <laughs> nature of the beast and happy to do it. And, and the editors are really great. So pretty much always take the recommendation. So, um, yeah, no, it, it was it was it was a, a look at real life. I, yeah, I tried to separate myself from the traditional pundit take at the right. end of the year where you just right. kind of pick whatever five trends you want to talk about. But I wanted to use real life examples to show where retail is headed. And so, yeah, quite honestly, it took about two years to put together the right mixture of real life examples because you and i had to plot out which stores we thought we wanted to go and shoot videos of right. uh, where we had to coordinate the travel and then they had to fit inside the framework of a logical exposition in the piece and so yeah thanks for that i, I put it out this morning that's uh, called the i think it's called the five real i we i had to change the title so i'm not sure yet, but i think it's called the five <laughs> real life trends the show where the future of retail is headed in 2024 and beyond because you got to hit the 2024 I was going to say yeah. pieces which I and didn't For hit initially yeah and Forbes doesn't like IRL in the headlines is that no is that no part yeah. Of it? yeah they didn't actually they actually that they actually wanted to take, I, I fought to keep that in because I was like no this is a differentiating part of the piece because of uh you know I don't want it to just be five trends that are going to shape retail in 2024 because there's going to be a hundred pieces written with right. that title so well, but yeah so you should check it out Great but and this is our last show of the year too. It we came is. off the award show last year. This is our last is. Fast Five podcast. Can you believe it? I know. It? I can believe it. I feel like it's time <laughs> for a break. And that's an important note for our listeners that we'll be off for the next two weeks. Um, so you'll have to catch reruns. Go back and listen to your favorite episodes or make sure you catch the retail awards that we recorded last week because I think that's doing pretty well. People are uh, People are listening to that one, Chris. Yeah. And I checked the retail uh, rankings by shows and Apple podcasts today. We had 11 of the top 20 retail podcasts, uh, yes. pretty much because of our shorts, because of people wanting to listen to the awards that we handed out last week. Awesome. But we got some great feedback, though, and too around the awards, what we missed, what we got right, what we got wrong. Let's we always we love did. talking about what we got wrong or what we might have missed. What, what was yes. your what was your big takeaways from the feedback we got? Well, we got lots of audience comments, so thank you so much to all of you who submitted yours. But the ones that we have to call out, the winners, um, I for me, it was uh, Shop Talk's Ben Miller who threw out Best New Partnership of the Year being Aldi and Southeastern Grocers because no one saw that coming. And I can't believe we missed that one, Chris, because that is a huge, huge headline that will really impact the grocery landscape for this year, I think. But what, what did you think? What yeah. you pulled out a couple? Of yeah, hundred percent. That was, a, that was like a mic drop one. Actually, when he said yeah. it, I was like, yeah, I got it. That one, it should have at least been brought up by one of the four of us on, on the podcast. But you know, the other thing I'd salute Ben for was he also, 
Um, he kind of got our minds going on another award for next year, which is International Retailer of the Year, which is harder for us because, yes. you know, our coverage is pre predominantly focused on the U.S. But, hey, we can broaden our lens, too. And with the help of friends like Ben and others overseas, we can we can for sure potentially look at adding that category next year. So I thought that was a great ad from him, too. Yes. And the last one I would call out, which was very important. And I feel like we did kind of gloss over this one. And, and I'm so glad that uh, listener Maya Page brought this to our attention. She suggested that we add an award for most sustainable retailer, which I think is a great idea. And I'm really hopeful that we start to see some movement in that area uh, as we head into next year. Yeah, I agree. I, I love the twist we could take on this next year too. like the most sustainable, sustainable headline of the year, you know, for retailers. Like let's, let's, let's give credit where credit is due. Like there's a lot of fun we could have riffing on that one. So that was a great call out as well. All right. And look, before we get started, yes. uh, any big announcements again, or any new content we want to highlight? I've got a few things, but you go first. Yes. Yes. Of course. Um, as everybody knows, we're all scrambling to get out this week before we take a break, because when we come back, it's going to be time to get ready for NRF, which means that the retail orphan initiative, super Saturday analyst day is also just a couple weeks away on Saturday, January 13th. And for every retailer listening who attends 250 children will get clean water education or life skills just from you being there. It's a hundred percent free for you. Please retailers go out, sign up to attend and help raise top. What was raised last year, $380,000 that will help over 325,000 children in 28 countries. And also tech okay. suppliers. We have not forgotten about you. Sponsorships for retail ROI are still available for as low as $2,500 you can see the full agenda, including the keynote from Run DMC frontman, Daryl McDaniels. So head over now to get sponsorship information. Most importantly, to register right now at retailroi.org. That's retailroi.org, Chris. Awesome. I can't wait for that. Can't wait for NRF, and I'm, I'm super excited, super geeked up for it. The other thing I want to highlight, too, is we have two live events coming your way on LinkedIn in the first like week of January, the week, well, not technically the first week, but the week following New Year's, New Year's Day week. Week of the eighth. Uh, week of yeah, January. Yeah, the week of the eighth. That's a good way to put it. And the week of the eighth. Yes. And yes. there we got, we got some killer guests. So we've got Ben Reich of Data Assembly, who believe it or not, was one of our very first ever guests on our Spotlight Series podcast. He is an expert on pricing intelligence. And the one thing that I keep hearing, and I know, Ann, you do as well, through every conversation we are having is inflation. And so Ben's going to talk about how pricing tools can be used as a competitive differentiator uh, to combat inflation here as we look and go into 2024. The other one, which is one I am super excited about as well, is we have Stop and Shop's CMO, Ann. Stop and Shop's CMO coming yes. on to talk to us about how they have approached implementing robots in all of their stores. Like their robot approach is very different than what we've seen from other retailers throughout the country, which we've highlighted on this show. It's Marty the Robot. They've personalized it. They've given it big googly eyes. We're going to talk about how Marty the Robot has become a key part of their store operations, but also a part of their communities. You're going to want to watch that interview because it's going to be really special. Awesome. All right, Chris, let's get to the headlines. All right, Ann, in today's Fast Five, we actually have two weeks of headlines to catch up on, Ann. Two weeks, That's including right. Amazon Prime testing an additional $9.99 per month grocery delivery fee, Macy's buyout bid, 
Google's latest shopping features, which they've released just in time for the holidays, and a new CNBC report that casts doubt on Target's explanation for store closures related to theft, and that also raises questions about whether the company's announcement was designed in advance to promote its legislative agenda and obscure its poor financial performance. But we begin today with big news out of Walmart. and. Yes, that's right, Chris. According to Chain Storage, Walmart is extending its partnership with a BNPL platform, a firm, to self-checkout kiosks at stores across the U.S. In fact, Walmart says that it will now accept buy now, pay later or BNPL payments via a firm at self-checkout kiosks at more than 4,500 U.S. stores, to be exact. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this? This is pretty big late-breaking news yesterday. I think this story is massive. Like, wow, way to end the year with a bang Walmart. Go Doug McMillan, retail person of the year. Just want to call that one out again. Oh, we're aware. We're aware. That's that's getting some play on social media too, that headline. Uh, but it or that 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 award last week. But um, you know, the reason I think this is big, Ann, and it's funny because it's I've talked about it before on the show, but for those that are maybe newer, um, it's something that I predicted would happen back in 2017 when I wrote my very, very first article ever. For retail dive, uh, and, and I wrote it when a firm and Walmart first linked up. So it's crazy that it took almost six years for something like this to happen. But you know, given that the large majority of America are going to want to extend their payables in a physical retail store environment, I think that's a game changer. I can think of no better point of competitive differentiation than this idea. And it's right in the brand promise of Walmart: save money, live better. So right on, Walmart. You're 100% living up to the band promise. My only question, which was hard to gather from the re from the news headlines, and I'd love for anyone to yeah. comment on this, is what categories can it be used on? It seemed like it was available to be used on toys and electronics, which toys kind of surprised me too, to some degree. So the big question is whether it's available in groceries. But either way, I think, you know, regardless if it's available in groceries or not, it's still a big, bold move. And I can yeah. only tip my hat once again to Walmart for the one final time here in 2023. They've killed it this year. Yeah, I agree, Chris. I mean, I think what you just said is pretty pretty much a mic drop right there. I think the only other thing I'd I'd elaborate on for this is really the customer side of things. I mean, I think when you look at what happened when EBT and Snap became digital, like this just gives you as a human being, the, the majority of the country living paycheck to paycheck, to have the opportunity to check out and feel like everyone else. There's no like separate checkout they have to go to. There's no layaway line they have to wait in. Like, I just really think this is giving back some dignity and humanity to all of the people, especially who are shopping at Walmart, who depend on the low prices every day for this. And if a firm's data is accurate, which, you know, you have to, again, look at like a, what a firm's agenda is here. But they said in their report that 76% of consumers have to delay or skip a purchase because buy now, pay later isn't offered. So I think that you get some additional brand love from those customers and potentially bigger baskets from them if they're able to kind of stretch that out and they're not in a situation where they have to, you know, go through a layaway process. And why not put a plus on it while you're at it? Like, I also love that they're doing <laughs> a free trial of Walmart Plus with this. I think that's really Oh, smart. I didn't catch that part. That's cool too. Yeah, yeah you I get a, if you spend over a certain amount, you I think it's $300, you get three months of Walmart Plus included wow. in that if you put it a buy now, pay later, um, a firm payment plan on it. Wow, which is a great segue to our next headline. But you know, and, and the, the going back to the grocery idea too, and like if they bring it into groceries, like 
talk about a differentiator in the grocery space. Like, why wouldn't you choose yeah. to shop for your groceries at Walmart even more often than you do now? The other th- part I want to call out that it reminds me of is remember when we had Paul Paradis on on our on our podcast like a while ago, like two or three months ago, right? Yeah, um, like of Sezzle. Yep. Yeah, of Sezzle. Yeah. And he was talking about he sees a day or he envisions a day where in in a store environment, the BNPL options like Sezzle, Affirm, Afterpay, Klarna, you name it, are going to be as ubiquitous as MasterCard and Visa as a payment option. And I think this is the first you know shot across the bow of us potentially seeing that happen. So, all right, we teased it before. Headline number two, Amazon Prime is testing a $9.99 per month unlimited grocery delivery subscription. According to The Verge, again, and not to be confused with The oh, Verve. No, not to be confused with The Verve. That's correct. I'm going to run that joke into the ground. It's just going to be the It's thing already I do. been running. I'm going to do it every time. From going forward, I've decided we're going to do that every time there's a story from The Verge. For the additional monthly charge of $9.99, Prime members in three cities can get unlimited delivery on Amazon Fresh and Whole Foods orders over $35. Those three cities are Denver, Sacramento, and Columbus, Ohio. And the $9.99 subscription fee for grocery delivery is an additional charge on top of a standard Amazon Prime subscription, which, for those of you that may not know, costs $14.99 a month or $139 per year. And point blank, I'm going to ask you, do you like this test? I don't know how in the hell this passed Amazon's like, really? I don't I even, feel the I don't same even way. know that how this got into market. Honestly, I think it's another $120 a month or a mm-hmm. year. Like it just, it, it seems to me if I have, if I'm going to spend another $120 on a membership, it's definitely not going to be on whole foods and Amazon grocery. Like they don't have the products to warrant like they're, they're the Amazon fresh grocery. I just, I've not been really satisfied with that. I don't think it's something that I'd go for. I'd much rather go for a shipped or a Walmart plus or a DoorDash membership for that amount of money and have tons of other options at my disposal, restaurants, like you know, DoorDash, right, has great sporting goods, Target, right. CVS, like all these places. Why am I limiting returns. myself? Yeah, returns, like all these other things that I think are so much more valuable as a, an, as a platform or as a subscription than paying Amazon more money. Like I'm just baffled by it. And I think another reason where like we um we t- have a interview coming up with Buncha CEO Barat Pulgam, and I think like just another case to be made again for like how we can get delivery for less money and like have all of these stores at our disposal. Like I just don't understand it at all, but you are not keen on it. It sounds like either. No, I'm not. And you, you said I might drop the first one. I thought you might drop that one too. I mean, I think you're right. There's that, but there, there's two points I would emphasize as well. I think the, because I unequivocally hate this. I I do. I hate it. It's the, I agree. It's a test that shouldn't have gotten off the ground, I think. And not all tests are good tests. We've talked about that on the show before. And I hate it for two reasons. Like one, I think it devalues Amazon prime, which Mm -hmm. is something that I don't think has ever been said in human history. When have you ever said that, uh, that Amazon prime is less valuable than it was before? And I think you have to say that with this, go ahead. Why do they have to do this? Like, that was the thing that I couldn't understand. It was like, Amazon, why? Why? Like, I don't get why. Why do you think they had to do it? Or why do you think they yeah. even tested it? I, I don't I don't know. I think it's just, you know, being totally, it seems like dollars and cents focused and looking at it at a, you know, as a as an individual business unit or business unit idea. So 
Um, so I just, I just don't get it because in its history, Amazon Prime has always been, how do I get more value as a consumer? How does Amazon give more value to the consumer for $139 per year? More value, not less value, which is what you're doing when you're creating an upcharge. So I don't get it. The other point is just an extension of what you said, which is, I think this is the greatest marketing vehicle in the history of the world for Walmart Plus. Yeah. Like I was looking at the, the comparison yesterday. Free grocery delivery for $98 already, $98 yeah. versus whatever the Amazon Prime was. And you get Paramount Plus, you get Scan and Go, you also get gas discounts with this. Right, right. I mean, it, it, it's and you, Yeah, and you still have to spend $35, mind you, or it costs you more. So like there is still the threshold of a $35 minimum on these Amazon orders or Whole Foods orders on top of that too. Right, so if this if this were to go national as it's tested... It's the greatest advertising. It's the greatest advertisement for Walmart Plus that Walmart could ask for. So I have no idea what Amazon is doing here. My only hope would be that as they roll it out nationally, they just take the cost of Prime up again, like they have in the past. But I don't know I don't that know. that's that's not simulated via this test. So it doesn't make sense in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Yeah, I want to interview the people who are in this pilot in Denver and Columbus and Sacramento and see what they really think. Um, okay, Chris, let's go on to headline number three. I know you're going to love this one. Um, mm. An investor group has made a $5.8 billion offer to buy Macy's. According to the Wall Street Journal, Arc House Management, a real estate-focused investing firm, and Brigade Capital Management, a global asset manager, on December 1st, submitted a proposal to acquire the Macy's stock they don't already own for $21 a share. That represented a roughly 32% premium to where shares closed the day before the offer was made. The investor group, which believes Macy's is undervalued in the public markets, has indicated that it would be willing to raise its offer subject to due diligence, and an investment bank has provided a letter supporting the group's ability to raise the necessary financing to get a deal across the finish line. Chris, Macy's, yeah. oh boy, will it stay or will it go? Yeah, you know, I thought really long and hard over the course of the last 24 hours about what to say about this that you know hasn't been said already or isn't pithy. And and the reference point that kept coming back in my head, Anne, was Kohl's. Hmm. You know, okay. I think it's important because if you look back last year and I looked this up, you know, according to the Wall Street Journal, same same provider of the headline that we referenced today, um, last February, Kohl's had an offer on the table to be bought out for eight billion dollars. And Kohl's market cap as of yesterday was three point no, sorry, for nine billion dollars. I said that wrong. Nine billion dollars, Ann. Okay. And so Kohl's market cap as of yesterday was three point two billion because I remembered it was oh. basically three times the current value. Unbelievable. So I yeah. Yeah. So I think when you sit back and you look at it that way, you have to ask. And we've talked about how there's seemingly a growing dumpster fire brewing at Kohl's already. There's lots of people claiming that, you know, you got to look out for that stock. Um, and we are not financial advisors in any way, shape or form. So do not take this as advice, but I think you're getting to the point, you know, where you have to ask for yourself for Kohl's and then we'll go back to Macy's like, and do you, do you honestly see a strategic path where Kohl's is worth three times what it is now? I can't, I mean, I, not with any of the initiatives that are currently in play, maybe Sephora, but then I think that you're really banking on that one retail pop up that's going to save it. And I don't think that's enough. Yeah. And I, yeah, hundred percent agree. And I, I don't, I don't quite frankly either. So I, and I, and when I say that, I say that because I worry the same thing could be said about Macy's. And so as much as it tears on my heartstrings 
to lose great retailers like Sears in the past, I think, honestly, it may be the best move for the shareholders to just cash out now, especially if there's more money to be had like this on the table, as is alluded to in the article, the offer is intentionally low and let natural selection run its course. I mean, nostalgia just doesn't work over the long term in business. It doesn't isn't enough to supply what needs to be supplied to keep a business going. And I think this is just getting the fact of it's just business now at this point. And that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, I think the Kohl's uh, comparison is a really good one, Chris. I'm glad you brought that up. I think, you know, the only thing that I've, I would add here is that it seems like you're saying, like it or not, Macy's, you're probably more valuable as a real estate play. And I'd say the same thing is maybe true for Kohl's at this point. Um, and I think one of the things that came to me as I was, I was reading this story and thinking about the real estate angle too, is that there might be a lot of interest from the mall owners who have Macy's as an anchor tenant now, if this does start to get sold for real estate parts, because I mean, in several cities where Macy's is present, Macy's owns that box on a mall. And I think if you let Macy's become up for sale and these mall owners across the country of especially some of the failing malls, if they're able to take that asset on or sell that asset and now they can do something different to serve their communities with that property, I think there could be a lot of interest there that some of these real estate investors who are trying to gain share of Macy's or take back Macy's are probably thinking about. Yeah. The other point I bring up if I was critical of, of, of our own points too, would be, I think the sum of Macy's parts is greater than the whole too. I think, I think if you took Bloomingdale's aside from Macy's, I think you could find some value there. We've talked about the Bloomings right. idea and rolling that out nationally. I think there is some real growth potential there. So I think that's something you have to factor into this discussion, which is different than the Coles analogy that I drew up beforehand. So, um, you know, I think there, there's different ways to look at this, but I think you have to have the honest discussion with yourself as a shareholder to say, like, do I need to take this offer seriously? Right. Right. Absolutely. All right. Headline number four, Google has launched more new shopping tools aimed at the holiday straggler. Again, according to Chainsaw Age and fresh off its new deals destination and discount code finder in early November, Google is now launching three more shopping tools as the season approaches its final days. First, shoppers can select the, quote, get it by December 24 filter on search to see products they can get quickly. And once a customer taps the filter, they will see relevant products labeled with the retailer's cheapest on-time delivery offering, as well as the price and any nearby stores that have them in stock. Second, they can now track packages directly in Gmail. And third, after a package has arrived, Google will include a link to that retailer's return guidelines at the top of shopping-related emails in Gmail, on desktop, and on mobile in the U.S. And we haven't had it yet. Oh boy. This is this is the AM put you on the spot question of the <laughs> week. Question of the week. And here it is. These additions from Google seem like good examples of trying to address key consumer needs while providing stickiness for usage of their tools, assuming they're not pushing consumers to Zulily this week. No. Not. Parenthetically, what do you think of the year-round utility of these features for consumers beyond the hectic transparency needs of the holiday shopping crunch? Well, AM, I'm really glad that this is the question you picked because I think this is one of the headlines that I'm most excited about for yeah, you fought for this for all sure. of 2024. Like I can't wow. wait to see 
where this goes in 2024. Um, Google has made the entire web shoppable. Finally, like, I think if you look at where people were going, when they knew exactly what they were looking for, I want this pair of boots in this size. You went to Amazon before 49% of the time people were going to Amazon. I think now there is reason for people to go back to Google to do this search one, because they've taken exceptional care to make sure that the most important details that for me as a consumer, one, am I getting the best price and two, when and where, and how can I get it on my own terms? And they're putting those front and center on these images. And that's not just a holiday need. That's a need throughout the year. We've been discussing this since the pandemic came about and how retailers started putting that information on the front page when you do a search on their own sites. And now this is happening with Google. Now you throw in, I have returns and tracking information at the top of my email. I don't have to go digging through and searching this. I can even see returns on that first PDP display that they put out. I am loving this. This is by no means something that's just for the holiday. Wow. And I cannot wait to see where the Google shopping team continues to take this throughout the next year because it's just the beginning. I mean, this has just started. There's still more work to be done and I am ready and here for it in 2024. Wow. All right. So, so you, so you like this, that's, that's the takeaway. You like this, that, 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 that's how Little I should bit. sum that up. Yeah. Little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, and I got to tell you, I like it too. I like oh, it too. Good. I have think I've seen some of these, like, have you used it recently? It's really good. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it, it's, it's a really great idea. I think it, I think to answer the question that AM posed at the, that AM posed at the top, I think it's, it has staying power for sure. It's, it's, it's completely applicable outside the holidays because the brilliance of the concept in, in and of itself on the whole, both this month and what they released last month is it's grounded in real consumer behaviors. And by that, I mean, what people are searching for. Yes. Which yes. is what Google knows best, which which is what I love about the pivot they seem to be making in commerce. They're focusing on the value-added capabilities they could provide in terms of what consumers are searching for versus like expecting to build a marketplace offer, offering and then just people are going to come to it, right? Like yes. it's a very so different approach that we're seeing here. And that's that's why I love it. Yeah. That marketplace comment is spot on. Like no, you don't need to be that. Like be Google and be the best as you can be with Google. I think the only thing to, you know, that they'll have to continue to refine again is the search results because it is Google. Like sometimes you can get, you know, and you're searching the entire web versus like curated sellers like you are on Amazon. So, I mean, I think that will have to be something that they'll continue to refine, but they're, they've got the talent and the resources to do it. So I think yeah, it's just and a matter of time. And the other point too, with generative AI now in the forefront of potentially changing the commerce interfaces out there, I think yep. that's where Google's really smart of playing up. What are people searching for? What questions are they asking for? And let's start pivoting in that direction to be disruptive. So yeah, yeah. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. All right, Chris, let's head to the last headline. Headline number five, CNBC is questioning the validity of Target's recent claims around theft. Target blamed theft and violence when it closed nine stores in four cities earlier this year. But a CNBC investigation reported that crime is worse at most of the locations that Target kept open near those stores. Uh, in some cases, Target chose to keep operating stores in busier areas that had better foot traffic or higher median incomes. 
even though the locations saw more theft and violence. CNBC's findings cast doubt on Target's explanation for the store closures and raised questions about whether the company's announcement was designed to advance its legislative agenda and obscure poor financial performance. Chris, uh, pretty, pretty big deal. There's been rumblings of this for a while, but this CNBC uh, story kind of cracked, cracked everything open. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. This one might go in the rant territory to end the year. I, I'm not oh really sure how this is going to play out for me, but, um, you know, I mean, big claims by CNBC, you know, right. Ann? I mean, just yeah. big claims all around. Like those are some pointed claims that they're saying right at the beginning of that article. And I also want to give them kudos for the very thorough reporting they did on this one. Everyone listening, you should go and check out this article because and I don't know about you, but I was reading it and I'm yeah. like, when does this thing end? It's like more data, more data, more data, more data. And I was like, holy cow, they've really gone to the well here. So, and I remember when you, you mentioned it before, like it's been brewing for a while. I remember you, when you and I were talking about it and you, you asked me some questions about it and and I said at the time that I think what's going on here is really just frankly that the stores don't pencil regardless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the majority of them, as referenced in the article, are small footprint target stores. Yep. And given the traffic being sold, the items being sold, and the theft impact taken together, the math on them just doesn't work out. So to say that theft is the reason the stores are closing isn't wrong necessarily, it just isn't the full truth either. It goes back and, to what you said last week. Well, I yes. forget the departed quote is like. Honesty something... is not synonymous with truth. Yes. Honesty yes. is not synonymous with truth. Yes. That's exactly what's going on here. It's one factor, but likely a factor among many, which brings us uh, again back to the disturbing pattern, which I was thinking about this. You can go really far back as into this year to see this pattern. You know, I would call out with self-checkout limits too. We're doing self-checkout limits too because we want to improve the line flow. Baloney, mm -hmm. right? It just doesn't make sense. And so the big question for me is, in the face of all these aberrational results that Target is seeing, where is the growth coming from? That's the issue here because you've remodeled your store base extensively over the last few years. The small stores, that idea was never going to move the needle on its own anyway. So what the heck is next? And so here's the rant part, Ann. I think I alluded oh, to Oh, we this haven't last... even gotten to the rant no, part. No, 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 we <laughs> haven't. We haven't, Ann. I'm I'm tempered. I'm tempered. Black I is think... ticking. I know. Let's go. I, I think, but I think I think the board has to be asking now, is it time for Cornell to go? Because any more subterfuge that we hear in this regard, like remember the 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 behind glass thing? Like, like the subterfuge, like thanking customers for putting products behind glass. I mean, that's honestly an insult to everyone's collective intelligence. And it's only going to get, this story is only going to get worse from here on out should they try to spin anything in this direction again. So I'm yeah. curious where this goes. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I don't think, I don't think it's just Target either. I mean, I think this gets back to why I picked Daphne Howland's story about yeah. NRF retracting that crime data as my headline of the year. I think it's going to, especially as we go into next year, this is going to really start to impact, um, retailers and what they what the claims can be what the reasons can be like it's going to force retailers to have to get into really dig into what is causing low sales and target in this case especially who's just been riding high for so long i think um there's a lot going on that's going to impact what that company looks like in 2024 um and you know they're just gonna have to face the music you can't use this as an excuse would you would you would you think it's fair to say though that even regardless of of the points that have made about the industry that Target has been the flag bearer 
uh, of the headlines around pointing to theft as the main, as the, you know, a big impact on their financials in 2023. I, I'm, I'm having trouble actually recalling others. I know there are some, but it feels like Target has been the standard bearer or the flag bearer on that topic, in my I, opinion. Do you agree? I think, that's a, I think that's a great point. I mean, I remember when Brian Cornell came out saying like a billion dollars they're going to lose right. this year. And like, what company... What company can go on and say we're going to lose a billion dollars and shareholders and the board are just like, yeah, that's cool. I mean, there's nothing we can do about it. Right. Besides, like, close a couple of stores. And I, I just I think there are there are big, big, important questions that I would be asking um, if I was sitting in the boardroom at Target right now and big expectations that I have for them going forward. Great point. Also in the face of aberrational sales performance too. Let's not forget that as well. So, wow. Yeah, yeah it's it's going to be fun to watch. God, 2024 is going to be a great year. Yes. All right, Chris. Well, let's close it up in the lightning round. Uh, Chris, former Real Housewives of New York, Bethany Frankel announced she is advising on a recently launched shopping app called Yaysay. More importantly than Yaysay, who is your favorite Real Housewives current or alum cast member? Do you need oh, some man. examples or do you know? No, no, I actually got okay. one. I, I I don't know that I got her first name right, but I, I'm pretty sure I got her last name right. So I think Tr- Teresa Jud- Judici or Judici, however you want to spell it. Judici. My family, yeah. my family oh, says yeah. Judici uh, okay. because that's my mother's maiden name. So she's going to be oh, my, I was gonna say, she's my is favorite. Is it the jail time? Is it the jail time that no. does it for you or no? Not it's, the most it's... admirable of the featured, <laughs> uh, featured actor. I guess you could call them actors or actresses on the show. But uh, yes, but definitely the one that, uh, you know, my my family uh, identifies with the most given the, the oh, last boy. name. All right, and someone did it. Believe it or not, a renowned chef concocted a Doritos nacho cheese flavored liqueur. You know how much I love Doritos, Anne. So my question for you is, is this something you would even try? Oh my God, no. It makes me vomit in my mouth a little bit. It reminds me of like what you, what the color of vomit. Like that reminds me of Doritos flavored liqueur. So no, it's not ever happening. Uh, I agree. There's just some some tastes you don't want to drink, right? There's no. some tastes you want to eat versus some tastes you want to drink. And this is not one I 100% agree with you. Oh my God, so gross. <laughs> um, all right, Chris, question number three. LVMH has said that they have met their key sustainability goals for 2023 ahead of schedule, including offering new circular services thanks to its repair and care task force. This now opens the brand up to many who aspire to own luxury products. Um, Now that you might be able to afford one luxury product, Chris, what would you buy? Oh, that one's simple, Ann. I'd love a new watch. I had a quick story. I had a a nice tag watch that my family got when I graduated from college back in 1999. The whole family chipped in on it. They engraved it. They said, congratulations. We're proud of you on the back. And and it got stolen, and I've just been bummed out ever since that day. Oh, no. And so yeah, so it's always this been sounds a, like a like a heist movie. Where did it get stolen from? Yeah, it got stolen right out of my house one day. Um, you know, and it was just it was a long story, but uh, yeah, it got stolen, and so I've been bummed out ever since. And so yeah, that that would be my pick. And what about you? Um, I'd probably get a handbag. I'm guessing the handbag. <laughs> it's still on my list. Like, I still look all the time, and I'm like can I spend that much on a handbag? And I just remind myself that I, there's a reason I buy a new work bag every year and that's why I don't have nice handbags. (laughs) That's the same why when my watch was stolen 10 years ago, I haven't gotten another (laughs) one either. Yes, exactly. Right. All right. Last one. Companies like Microsoft are working on storing. This is true. Are working on storing data 
as actual strands of DNA. I guess what? the storage, yeah, it's crazy. Like the amount of storage you can get from turning data into DNA is is nuts. It's like exponentially greater in terms of the space you can acquire to store your data. So my question for you, Ed, is if you could pick any song to store, any MP3 to store as DNA that is emblematic of you, any song, what song would it be? So like, I'm sorry, are they, I don't even understand this. They're like putting DNA inside they code, of They me? code the data to actual like, whatever the, the four, like cytosine, guanine, all that, they code the data according to certain DNA sequencing and it enables you to store data. It's freaking fascinating. You should go and read it, everyone. Oh my God. I don't even understand how this is possible, but yeah, now I'm it, scared that we're going to be robots. Um, That's like asking me to pick my favorite song. Well, it's DNA ever. song. Like who, who are you as a song? Even though that's okay. kind of an ex extreme extension of this question, but <laughs> But what song would you pick if you could store I don't know one I can, in DNA? I don't know that I can say that this song perfectly um, represents me. But I guess the first thing that came to mind is Brandy Carlisle's The Story. Just because it talks about lines across my face. You know? All right. All right. Yeah. Going recency factor, recency bias. All right. I love it. I love it. Recency I, I, bias. I mean, that's a song from like the 1990s or something. Oh, it is? Oh, yes. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I thought she was relatively new because you've been talking about her so oh, much. Oh no, I had no idea. Oh my god! No, she's been around for a long time. She's just now getting credit for uh, the work that she's done for the last twenty plus years in the industry. And you know, the only Carlisle I celebrate is Belinda Carlisle. You know that. Come on, come on. Oh, this is not okay. This is not okay. <laughs> All right, let's close this up. Happy birthday today to Jonah Hill, Dick Wolf. And to one of the more underappreciated American Idol winners of all time, the winner of their own Battle of the Davids, like we had last week on our show, and David Cook. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Omnitalk, the only retail media outlet run by two former executives from a current top 10 U.S. retailer. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content that is exclusive to us, and we do it all just for you. And we try really hard to make it fit within the preview pane of your inbox. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. You can follow us today by simply going to youtube.com slash OmniTalkRetail. So until next year, Anne, on yes, behalf of year. all of us at OmniTalk, be careful out there. Thanks again to our OmniTalk Retail Fast Five sponsors for the year of 2023 that have brought to you this podcast, the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Firework. Firework is the largest video commerce solution built for the world's leading brands. They empower brands with shoppable and live stream video on their own websites where people like to shop. Put your commerce in motion with Firework. Find out more at firework.com. And Avalara. Avalara makes tax compliance faster, easier, more accurate, and more reliable for 30,000 plus businesses and government customers in over 90 countries. Avalara leverages 1,200 plus signed partner integrations to power tax calculations, document management, tax return filing, and tax content access. Visit avalara.com to improve your compliance journey. And TGW. Revolutionize your grocery supply chain with TGW. 
Their experts tailor automation solutions to your needs, ensuring you have the edge. Work with TGW before your competition does. Discover more at tgw-group.com. And Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit sezzle.com. <laughs> 